Welcome to the podcast, From Crisis to Connection. I'm Jeff Stewart, licensed marriage and family therapist, and I'll be bringing the professional perspective. I'm Jody Stewart, unlicensed wife, mother, daughter, sister, friend, and neighbor, and I'll be bringing the regular everyday perspective. We are all about relationship recovery, and we'll tackle tough topics like infidelity, abuse, addiction, pornography, and betrayal trauma. We also focus on helping you build stronger connections in your most important relationships. So thanks for joining us. We're glad you're here. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. We're glad you're back here with us again. Yeah, so great to be with you once again. Before we dive into our topic today, we want to let you know about a couple of resources. We've partnered with a really great company that has an app called Relay, which is designed to help people build community when they're trying to recover from unwanted pornography use. You can download a Relay and get a free trial. And then if you decide to, to subscribe to their very low cost uh, subscription plan, you can enter the code JEFF1 for 15% off. We've partnered with them because we love what they're doing. They provide a platform that allows people to build community instantly when you're dealing with such isolating things like unwanted pornography use. And they have an SOS option and other kinds of features to help you get the support that you need quickly and anonymously. We also have a trust building course you can download right away called The First Steps to Rebuilding Trust. And it is free and something that you can begin watching immediately. And it has videos that help you learn how to rebuild trust if you've broken the trust, also to heal from broken trust if you've been betrayed, and resources for the couple. You can download the course by giving us your email address using the link in the show notes, and we'll send it to you immediately. All right. Thanks, Jeff. Let's dive right in. Okay. So today we're going to talk about how to do recovery and trauma work while life is going on and often busy and chaotic. Yeah, it's the real dilemma, I think, for people that are healing from this. It's like life is busy for all of us anyway. Yeah. And most of us don't have time to be, you know, bringing on extra unwanted stressors. Right. But already juggling too many unwanted stressors. I mean, when things are going well for most of us, we're usually pretty busy and full even if you don't have children in the home, life is, there's just a lot of things pulling at, at our, you know, tension and time. So, but when there is a discovery, some kind of a secret behavior or some kind of a disclosure, it's like everything else becomes so much harder. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because all of a sudden, so many of your energy reserves are going toward this big, huge threat to your primary relationship. Right. Which feels, I mean, our body and our emotions code that threat as a survival threat, life and death. Yes. And so we prioritize it. Our energy goes right to that first. Yeah, as it should. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, it's not like we can say, well, you just, you know, hang tight over there while I take care of these things. No, it's it's ever-present, front and center. And one thing thing I saw for years when when I was uh, running a group program for couples is we would run our groups in the evenings. And so this was a time that was hard for families. They they would come in and we were working with couples. And so they were having to find sitters and they were having to Mm -hmm. oftentimes rearrange a lot of other commitments, missing practices for their kids and or games or performances and such for their kids. And so there were a lot of sacrifices. And the thing that I heard over and over again is that they felt like doing this work almost became like another job. Yeah. Like it became... It was kind of like thrust upon them that they didn't... Unwanted. Yes. Yeah. It wasn't like they went looking for uh-huh. something to fill. 
Yeah, they were like, well, you know, I, I, I didn't have an extra five hours in my week or 10 yeah. hours in my week to yes. attend a meeting or go to counseling or in our budget for counseling or read books. You know, if I'm going to have, I remember one woman telling me, you know, if I'm going to sit down and read a book, it's not, I, I don't want to read a book about this. Right. I want to read something that is, is fun or, or an escape. Or yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't want to have to slog through workbooks and right. Yeah. interact with people that are really nice or great and supportive and I'm glad for them, but they're not like my friends that I would, it's just, it can feel so hard to add this whole layer to yes. your life. Yes. So we want to talk about how do you manage all that? Well, right. we do because we need to talk about it because you don't manage all that. Right. You can't manage all that. Mm-hmm. It's too much. It's right. too much. According to a lot of current psychological research and findings, it is too much without any betrayal, without any kind of threat to your marriage and family. Just, it is too much. Just the normal sort of North American way of life. It is is not healthy. It's not normal. It's not good for children or adults. Say more about that. Well, a lot of the work done by Gabor Mate, who is a, a physician turned psychologist, is about our pace of life and the expectations and the things that we take on and juggle and how there are just too many things going on and they are contributing factors to a lot of mental health problems in ourselves and in our children, our inability to, our unwitting willingness to fill every minute with stuff. Like our participation in this cultural pressure and patterns. Yeah. That we're doing, like you said, unwitting, like we're not consciously no aware most of the time. No, of what we're, we're just doing. doing it and we're looking around and everybody's doing it. So it seems so normal, but, and it is actually normal, but it's actually also very unhealthy for us. What's unhealthy about it? Just the constant, I mean, the number of things, I guess. The, the constant need to be doing for humans is not healthy. Like we, we need spans of time where we just can be so that we can, you know, subconsciously solve problems so that we can get a, get a break from the hamster wheel. So children being scheduled from one thing to the next to the next and harried mothers driving them all over the place and, and fathers rushing home. I mean, this is a very traditional example, but fathers rushing home from work to be to practices, families not gathering for meals together. And then that's just the kids and their stuff going on, let alone if the parents want to try to squeeze in a little bit of a, a hobby or something enjoyable here or there. Or and, and that doesn't, I mean, both parents might be working. There might be other like civic and community responsibilities like there. It's just more like... I mean, what, in the 50s? In the 50s, people had eight hours a day of discretionary time. Eight hours a day of time to them so that they could, and just from the 50s till now in a short 70 years, we've chosen to fill all that time, but it's to our detriment. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, that's a total tangent, but, but that's too much. Can you imagine having much. eight hours of free time or discretionary time? Right, discretionary, yeah. Kids come home from school and just play, maybe play with some kids on the street, maybe read, maybe hang out and decompress. Yeah. I mean, just that's a whole book. That's a whole book. A whole, a whole several books on the shelf right now. Yeah, but I, think, I think Gabor Mate wrote a book about- uh-huh. The Myth of Normal. Yeah. So if you want to read more that about that. that idea, that's, you know, that's something that 
What, uh, Bill Doherty was, he's a marriage and family therapy professor that wrote about this. I'm trying to remember the name of his book. I think it's called Take Back Your Marriage. But he he talked about over overscheduled families. He says overscheduled, underconnected. Connected, connected. Yeah. And he was talking about this trend 20 years ago and saying, yeah. this is, you know, back in the, back, he says back in the, maybe he says like the 80s, it was like the, the trophy went to whoever had the most stuff. And he says, yeah. now the trophy goes to whoever seems to be the most involved. The, the busiest. Busiest. Yeah. It's like busy is a badge of honor. Mm-hmm. And we just kind of come to expect it because we see it all around us. It just seems to be what everybody's doing is hustling. Yeah, nobody to keep up. questions anymore about, you know, for example, the example of just even family meals. There's a lot of research on family meals and slowing down and being together. Oh, how good they outcomes. Are everything kids. from teen pregnancies to drug use to yeah. depression. I mean, it's really phenomenal the impact that that one activity has on our yeah. mental and physical health. Yeah. Kids eat better food. I mean, yeah. there's just so many. A lot of families aren't getting that. Yeah. So what that just tends to be the climate, then like betrayal and recovery on top of that is virtually impossible. There's no margin. So you have to create space. Yeah. So there's no room at all to, not that we're making room for the crisis, but in a way it's like a savings account. You're going to set aside room for a rainy day or funds for a rainy day emergency, things that, you know, you don't know are going to happen. We don't expect, you know, our tires, to, you know, to pop or our yeah, you know, or the you know the, the AC to quit working or things like that, mm. and and in a family, the the surprises whether they're health issues or betrayal issues, and again, all these are unwanted. Yeah, we're not certainly not encouraging people to fill their space with crises, but there's yeah, there's no room for most families, and recovery for both partners is something that needs a lot of attention and room. And I just want to say this. I think that when when we buy into the idea that that this pace of life and all the things that fill it are normal and expected, then it can feel like we have no choice. But not only that, but that it would be impossible to pull out of things because it would affect children, but also, you know, maybe like expectations at work, those, right. those kinds of things. But this is the time when prioritizing is going to be priority. <laughs> <laughs> nice one. Well, I think about like 9-11, you know, yeah. how like as a nation, it seemed like everybody's priorities shifted to community and, and neighbors and taking care of each other. Yeah. I remember there being a few weeks where everybody was just really nice to each other. Yeah. we Yeah. And we were all pulling together. And, and I think a crisis, I mean, on that scale is, you know, unprecedented. There was, it was. It yes. Was, but it, it was galvanized. Time, it was an event that like threatened the security of our nation. Right. And so when there is an event or or the discovery of events that threaten the security of your marital foundation, your family foundation, then it's a time to really revisit your priorities. Yeah. Circle the wagons, uh-huh. cut some things out. Start saying no to things that yeah. just really in comparison aren't going to matter in the long run. Yeah. And there are so many of those things. It's like I mean, when people like, I mean, I, I just, you know, you see this a lot with somebody who gets like a terminal illness or they have some big health issue, some big health scare or health condition. They just, you know, you just, everybody sort of just gets, cause it's a, it's a, you know, it's more of a measurable pu- sure. public kind of a thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so everybody sort of around them, like, we're not going to ask anything of them or we're going to, mm-hmm. you know, you start dropping things out and it's like everybody rallies and understands that this person can't give as much where with these kinds of private betrayals and healing and recovery stuff that couples and families go through, 
generally they're not public. And yeah. so you're you're still getting the same demands. Mm-hmm. You're still getting same the expectations same. from your environment. Mm-hmm. I mean, even a physical health thing, you know, if, if so-and-so's parent gets cancer, I mean, the school is changing how they're, what they're asking even of the kids or, yeah. I mean, if everybody just kind of shifts in relation to this family crisis. And so what has to happen with these is either, you know, even if you went public with it, a lot of people still aren't going to really understand the physical and emotional mm-hmm. ramifications that trauma and you know, just interpersonal kinds of issues, what this, the drain it creates on financial, emotional, physical resources. Yeah. You have to either find advocates that can help you do it or start mm-hmm. to advocate for yourself. Mm-hmm. Probably both. Uh-huh. And be able to start learning how to restructure things. Uh-huh. Most of the healing that I've seen that works really well is working because there's space. Okay. There's, Say there's more room, about that. There's room for new rituals. There, there's room for new routines. So I'll just talk about, let's say, somebody healing from an addiction okay, or, you know, unwanted behaviors, compulsive behaviors, whatever the case may be. You know, let's say the morning routine. They're, they're not just going to wake up and just like stumble into the shower and drive off to, the, to work if they're really going to heal. They're going to start off being way more intentional. They're going to wake up and probably do some thinking, some meditating, some reading, some journaling, some praying, moving their body. There's going to be a space there where they've cut some things out. So that means they maybe had to go to bed earlier or they're they're starting to rework their routines because so much is at stake. Yeah. That could be, a, you know, for a lot of the women I've worked with who are healing from betrayal trauma, they, they recognize that they've, you know, cut some things out and maybe they're taking some time for themselves in the evening mm-hmm. or they're spending time with friends or other supports and they're, they're just saying no to extra things because they've, they have to do this. And those routines and patterns aren't adding more stuff. That's the, I don't think it should be viewed as like, well, I'm adding more things. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm reprioritizing. I'm shifting and, ma- and focusing on the essential right now. Yeah. And you, you have to make some hard decisions because it may impact kids. Yes. It may impact you know your kids being able to do as much as maybe you promised them or as much as they mm-hmm. are, their friends are doing or as much as the community maybe supports or maybe you worry your kid won't get ahead you know, athletically or scholastically. Mm-hmm. Or you know whatever whatever their particular thing is, and these are hard choices. And you can get angry and blame it on you know well this wouldn't have happened. But in some ways, this crisis this this is an opportunity to say is this working anyway? That's a hard thing to have to talk about, but it's it's a chance to to really clear things up and and decide what's ultimately going to make the most sense. Yeah, yeah. I think it's helpful also to understand in terms of kids primarily that that. The best thing for kids is for their parents to have a solid foundation. So true. And so to give that your energy is really, really good for kids. It's better than the lessons that they can learn on a sports team for a couple years or at dance lessons. Or So if some of those things need to be cut back on yeah. for the, just to preserve some time and resources for the rebuilding and the healing that needs to happen, then then that is, those are really, really good choices, even though they might be hard to make in the short run. Mm-hmm. And they are hard. Yeah. This whole idea that you can have it all, that you can fit everything in. Yeah. I don't, if somebody's selling that to you, it's just not true. It's okay to prioritize. It's okay yeah. to, I remember in the book, Essentialism, Greg McEwen wrote this great book called Essentialism. And he said that the word priority 
Oh, yeah. I love this point. <laughs> the original word priority was never plural. No, no. You can't have more than one priority. <laughs> there are no priorities. That's what he says in there. He kind of traces back the history of that word. And I thought that was fascinating that he says, let's stop fooling ourselves that we can have all these priorities because then it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. And it waters down what you're supposed to care about the most. And so if your relationship or your family or your marriage or your own personal health and well-being is at stake, as under attack, if there's something that's just really broken and, and undone that needs to be attended to, then you have to decide what the priority really is. Mm -hmm. And I think it's okay to also ask, I mean, a lot of us are, you know, it's like almost like modern day heresy to ask our kids to, to give or sacrifice or give up something. Right. Like we're bad parents if yeah. we don't take care of every need. Yes. But I think it's okay for kids to, to give and sacrifice and, and accommodate. And yeah, they can learn some profound lessons. And, and th this is the time when their cooperation and support can really mean a lot for the family. Yeah. Families historically only had each other to like get through hard things. Oh, yeah. And so I'm not saying you pull your kid into your drama with a play-by-play -play detail, but they can feel the energy. They can feel that things are off. They can feel that things are different and tense. And so I uh -huh. think you can name that and talk about how things are going to need to be different for a while. And uh, you might get some pushback and struggle, but that also, you know, again, it's how we build character. Mm -hmm. We give, we sacrifice, we, we don't just make everything about us all the time. Yeah. So there's a lot of support and space and room and permission and options here that we're yes. trying to introduce. Yes. You're not trapped having just to add this whole extra load of stuff on top of everything you're doing. It's, a, it's an opportunity to back away from it and reevaluate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So we hope that you, as you're working your recovery and, and working on rebuilding in your marriage and going through the healing process, that you can together find, just identify the areas that you can cut back on so you can create space to really give your relationship a chance to, the best chance to, to make it because you're giving it some good energy. Yeah, well said. Thanks everyone for joining us. We hope this has been helpful to you and we'll catch you in the next episode. Yep. Yeah.